Well, hello, everyone. Um, so fun to be here with you guys tonight. Thanks, Dane, for sharing. Um, just so cool to hear what God is doing in people's lives. Um, well, if you haven't met me before, my name is Rebecca, and I'm on staff with crew here in southern Colorado. Um, if any of you like hiking mountains, this is true. I would love to get my tent in with a cool group of people, so come let me know. Um, but I'm so excited to continue in this series with you guys. Things Jesus said about dot, 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 fill in the blank. I think it's really important if we are going to walk with the Lord that we know what Jesus said. Um, he talked about a lot of different things. He didn't talk about everything, um, but he has some really important stuff to say. Um, and in the, in the same way, like, I think it's really important that if you're here and you're like, okay, I'm like kind of interested in this Jesus thing, I think it's really important to know what he said about things. And I think, if anything, this is such a good series for you to be here. Because um, I think we're hitting on some of the most important things that Jesus has talked about. Um, fun fact about me, I studied music education in college. If I'm honest, there wasn't like a crazy reason why I decided to do that. I knew since like third grade that I wanted to be a teacher. I was that kid that like, brought her siblings to the basement and made them sit and listen to me. And I was like, oh, writing on a whiteboard or something. Um, so I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I was like, I don't really know what I want to teach. So I got to like my junior and my senior year. I'm like, I should probably figure this out. I'm going to college soon. I want to be a teacher. And I was your classic like orchestra and choir nerd. That was, that was just me. I also did theater. Um, that was me. But I was like, OK, I like music class. Sure, I guess I'll study music education. Not a particularly captivating reason, um, but I went off to college. And as I went to college, my thoughts and feelings towards it started to change a little bit. Like it started to become more captivating to my heart. You know, if you've ever been to like the music department in a school, there's like these huge rehearsal halls. There's like these hallways and hallways of practice rooms that you like walk down and everyone's like playing this really cool stuff. Sometimes like it doesn't sound as good, but that's okay because they like just started practicing. Um, but you start spending time and then like I would see my professors and my classmates like on the stage performing. Um, I'm a violinist, so I would like see my friends playing and I'm like, whoa, they are so cool. Like if you've ever seen a violinist perform, like they're glorious. They like, they're into it. They have tons of emotion behind it. It's awesome. And I was like, whoa, these people are so cool. And I definitely want to be that person. By my sophomore year, I had kind of gotten past like all the basic training that you do. You know, you, you like go to college and your teacher's like, oh, I'm gonna like completely reshape your technique. It's fine. Um, but I kind of moved all, past all that stuff. And so if this means anything to you, it's okay if it doesn't. My teacher was like, you are ready for the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. Does that mean anything to anyone? I see a smile over here. It's fine if it doesn't, yeah, okay, okay, cool. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is so exciting. Basically, it's like the big leagues of violin performance. Like if you can play the Mendelssohn, like you've made it, you have a shot at a solo career as a violinist. Um, and low key, I was like, I cannot wait to go to my violin friends and like brag to them that, that my teacher, Sonia, that was her name, that Sonia told me that I'm ready for the Mendelssohn. I was like, ah, 
big leagues, I've made it. Um, this idea, it was like captivating to my heart. So we did this thing um, every Friday morning, it's called studio class. Basically, everybody who my private teacher taught would come together and we would like play for each other and stuff and get feedback from our teacher. Um, and so eventually it became my turn to perform the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto for my class. And I was like, yeah, like we're gonna do this. I'm gonna appear so cool to them. This is gonna be awesome. And I like get up there and I'm like, okay, deep breath, get my violin up, I'm ready. And I botched it. I'm serious, it was awful. Like the first note is like this beautiful high E out of tune. There's like all these runs in it, like, like all over the place. Missed them. And I was devastated. I was like, get me out of here yesterday. Like this is, I need to get off this stage. Um, but I finished and I'm like trying to hold it together, but I'm really bad at not showing what I think or feel on my face. So like everyone could tell that, that I wasn't doing well. So I heard some feedback from my teacher and instantly beeline out of there. I went straight to the bathroom because I'm like, I gotta cry in peace. Like, I don't want anyone to see me sobbing. Um, so I went to the bathroom like, <sighs> just devastation. Like everything that I was like hoping for and like, yeah, I'm gonna do this thing. It's gonna be so good. Just like gone down the drain. I'm like, <sighs> I was telling all my friends I could play the Mendelssohn and I couldn't. <laughs> I was just so, so destroyed. Now, things like this can happen in your life and like, it doesn't actually destroy you. Like, cause it's, it's something you don't care about. Like if I were to up here try and throw a football, I don't know how to throw a football. Like I'm not, I'm not athletic. Like I wouldn't care if you guys saw me fail at throwing a football. Cause like, that's not something that my heart really cares about. But because my heart cared about this one thing so much, I was like, my life is destroyed. I am devastated. So I think we all kind of have that one thing that we really treasure. For me, it was being the star violinist who could impress her friends. Um, maybe for you, it's like being at the top of your nursing class or getting a good grade on this test or having a certain career or a relationship. Um, but I think for all of us, like there's that thing that we just know like, oh, my heart there's just like a hold on my heart in this one specific area. And specifically, we're all prone to putting our hope and, and trust and excitement and joy in these places that just like ultimately leave us devastated and destroyed and disappointed. So tonight we're gonna talk about things Jesus said about what we treasure. So my hope tonight is that we would see that although our hearts are inclined to treasure things that actually have no value, that there's a savior who can free our hearts from these strongholds and that he offers the treasure of eternal life that is found with him in Jesus. So we're gonna turn in our Bibles, um, so go ahead and pull those out. We're gonna turn to Matthew chapter six we're gonna look at verses 19 and 21. Um, but before we read these verses, I just wanna 
offer a word of encouragement and a reminder that the Word of God is living and active. And so I, I really believe and trust that for every single person in this room, whether you're like, yeah, this is like the thousandth time that I've heard these verses, or if you're like, I have never heard these before. Um, I, think, I think the Lord wants to speak to you, and I think he has something really sweet for you to hear tonight. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for your grace. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and to see what it is that you have to say about things. Father, I just pray that tonight that you would soften hearts, um, that you would open hearts and minds to the idea of loving you and treasuring you above all else. Um, I just pray that you would help me to communicate clearly, um, just that your Holy Spirit would speak through me tonight. Um, yeah, we love you, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we are in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Um, so this says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in this passage, we see Jesus very directly illustrating the difference between storing up your treasures on earth and then storing up your treasures in heaven. So first, we're going to look at what is the result of treasuring earthly things. So he uses this phrase, lay up your treasures. Other versions say store up. But essentially the idea is like one way or another, we are prone to keep, to place the highest value, to put, to put everything in earthly things, to treasure earthly things. So earthly things here is primarily referring to money and possessions. Um, but I think it extends to anything that does not follow us into eternity. Um, a pastor once said, and I think this is a really good way of thinking about it, that you don't normally see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Like when we go on into eternity, that's not what we take with us. Um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of the idea here. Like the things that we gain in this life, whether it's our possessions, our grades, our accomplishments, our success, Whatever it is, um, these are the things that Jesus is talking about. So the instruction that Jesus is giving, he's saying, do not treasure these things. Why? He says that the result inevitably is destruction, loss, and emptiness. He says if we lay up our treasures on earth, moth and rust will destroy. That's the first thing he says. Which, I don't know about you guys, but, and this probably isn't significant in this passage, but I just don't like moths. They're just disgusting. <laughs> They're like these like dust butterflies that just, they like fly in your face and it's awful. But more than that, it's like these moths, they slowly chew away at fabric. So like there's this slow destruction that happens. And the same thing with rust. Like once something has started to rust, there's not really a way that you can salvage it. It's like, it's just kind of gone. So he says that moth and rust destroy. 
Um, Jesus also says that treasures that are stored up on earth are where thieves break in and steal. So we kind of have the, the difference of the moth and the rust. It's like a slow destruction. And then the thieves breaking in and stealing, it's like, like gone. It's just instantly gone. But the similarity is that they destroy and, and it's lost. So on the flip side, what is the result of storing up our treasures in heaven? So if earthly things are these things that have no eternal value, the things that, you know, they're, they are going to be in the U-Haul and they're not going to follow us, the things that are heavenly are the things that do have eternal value. They're the things that we build into now that actually benefit and affect our lives in eternity. Like when our, our human life here is over, um, it'll, it'll affect that. So simply put, living for God's glory and the good of others is probably a way, is, that's a way to think of storing up treasures in heaven. Um, Jesus gives tons of examples of like what this actually looks like. He talks about practicing humility, having a pure heart, studying and applying God's word, letting it like dwell richly with us, making peace with other people, following God's commands, resisting anger, prayer, forgiving people abundantly. There's so many things that fall into this category, but I hope that gives you an idea of what he's talking about when he says, storing up my treasures in heaven. He's talking about those kinds of things. And again, the common thread in this is investing in things that have eternal significance. Um, John chapter 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus is very clear. Like, he's like, this is my definition of eternal life. He's saying relationship with me um, is, is what eternal life is. So anything that falls into that category of investing in that and helping other people invest in that is what Jesus is talking about. Um, sometimes our lives feel really long, like I don't know if there's something that in your mind, like, oh, I've been super dreading that, or like I just, or I really want that to come, and like our experience feels really long. But when you compare it to all of eternity, which never ends, our life here is actually really short. So Jesus says, heavenly treasures will not be destroyed. They will not be stolen. And Jesus' word is true, and it's sure. So there's one other important thing that I really want us to, to gain from this passage, and it's the correlation between our heart and what we treasure. If you guys look at verse 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I find the order of this actually really interesting and I think really insightful as we think about it. He doesn't say, like, this is where your heart is and automatically you're going to treasure the things that are right. Instead, he says, like, okay, wherever you place your treasure, whether it's here or here or here, our little hearts are going to just, like, automatically go towards that. 
Our hearts are not like these steel, indestructible plates where like, this is where it is and this is where it's gonna stay. Like, they're actually really moldable and impressionable and broken. So when we start to invest all of our time, our energy, our resources, our heart, our passion into one thing, like this is our treasure, our little hearts, they're just like, all right, my heart's gonna follow it and my heart's gonna come here. And I think at first, treasuring these things can seem pretty harmless. Like with me with the violin, it's okay, that's not a bad thing, like sure, play your violin, that's awesome. But the problem was like I invested everything in that and my little heart was like over here and I was left destroyed. So as, as a fellow broken human, um, like the rest of us, this is hard for me. Like I've struggled with this a lot of my life. I think every person that comes up here and shares their 180 story, there's like evidence of this brokenness. Um, but kind of like another area of where I've struggled with this is with relationships. Like, especially in high school and middle school, I was just like, I want this, I need this, I wanna be loved, I wanna have worth and value, and if I don't have it, then like, who am I? And, and what am I worth? Um, there, was a, there was a time in high school where I was dating this guy, and I just cared, I cared so much about it. And there was this kind of consistent pattern of like, like before I started dating him, I was like, oh, I want this so bad, but then I like wouldn't get it and I would be disappointed. And then like it would happen and I'd be like, oh, why am I disappointed by this? And I wish I could go back and tell, my, tell myself like, oh, it's because like you're storing up your treasures in the wrong place. But there was one point in our relationship where I could like kind of sense that he was withdrawing from me. And so I like, I went into panic mode. I was like, I must fix this. This is not okay. Like, I, I have to hold on to this so tightly because if I lose this, it's not gonna be good. And so there was one day that I knew he was like out and about and doing whatever. And so I like put together this little care package of like all the things I knew he liked. And I was like, wow, aren't I so nice and thoughtful doing all these things? And I went to his house and I dropped it off. And I was like, okay. Maybe, maybe like this can salvage this thing that I really, really want. And it didn't. Like he broke up with me like three days later or something like that. Like I could sense it, I knew it. And I was destroyed. Like it was, it was the kind of despair where like I stayed in my bed for four days just crying. Like I was devastated. My treasure was stolen from me, and I was left destroyed. Now, I want to be careful. What I'm not communicating is that grief is bad. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's really important to grieve. I think it's really healthy and good. But what I'm talking about instead is like treasuring of something that I thought was promising me something that it, it couldn't actually. Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder if any of you tonight resonate with any of this. 
So it's kind of an interesting paradox in these verses because it's like, on the one hand, it makes perfect sense. It's like, well, yeah, like why would I store my treasures in a place where it's gonna be inevitable destruction? Like why would I do that? Duh, it's black and white, isn't it? And yet, if you're anything like me, you're probably sitting there like, but why do I want it so much? Like, why is my heart so captivated here? Um, yeah, like, I know that getting one grade higher on the test won't actually, actually satisfy me, but I want it. Or I know that getting this job won't actually satisfy me, but I cannot stop thinking about it, and this is what I want more than anything. Kind of what I'm getting at here with this is that we're broken. The Bible gives a name to this disordered desires that we experience, and it's called sin. Paul in Romans 7.15 um, says, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Potentially like the most relatable verse in the entire Bible. I don't know, every time I hear this, I'm like, yes, like why? Why am I like this? Why do I do the things that I hate? And so we're broken, like we all experience this. And so the solution isn't like, just like, just figure it out. Like, figure out your expectation management and you'll be good. It's like, no. We need a savior. Like, we're, we're enslaved by this and we need someone who can rescue us. So I even ask you tonight, like, what is it for you? What is it, what's the one thing that your heart and your mind cling so tightly to. I think even a question that's, that's absolutely not fun, but is helpful, it's like, what do I really fear to lose? Or what do I think that if I get it, then my life will like come together and make sense? Jesus has more to say about our treasure. Um, so will you guys turn with me in your Bibles just a couple chapters forward. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 to 46, so Matthew 13, 44 to 46. And in this parable, we see a third interaction with treasure. And this treasure is one that has insurmountable value. So it says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So visualize this with me here for a second. You're just like trekking through a field, having a good time. I don't know why you're in this field. Doesn't matter, but you're just hanging out, looking around, and then all of a sudden, you come across this treasure, and you're like, whoa, what is this? Like, I've never seen anything like this completely different. Like, I need this treasure. And it's not like this weird obsession. It's just like this, like, 
I'm identifying that like what I'm what I've been looking for is right here. So you see it and you like cover it back up and you run home. You're like, I gotta do something about this. So you go home and you're like, instantly my house is on the market. Instantly that car that I bought three months ago on the market. Like I gotta sell all this stuff. Instantly like all my prized possession, my instruments or my like game consoles or whatever it is for you on the market, I'm gonna sell it. You're like, whatever like investments I have, stock, Bitcoin, whatever, I don't understand these things, but those things, like, you're like, I'm gonna sell all of this because I have this treasure in mind. And like, this treasure is where it's at. And you think to yourself, like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. I was just like, like any other Thursday, gallivanting in this field, and I came across this treasure. Like, I'm not a lucky person. I'm not the kind of person who finds these things. Like, I'm the kind of person that, like, you know, when there's, like, a drawing, like, the gift cards that we do here, like, I never win those things. I'm not a lucky person. But this treasure, I... Just mind-blown. What is this treasure? Like, what is it? Or, a slightly different scenario, um, the merchant of the fine pearls that we see in the second, in verse 45. Let's say that like your specialty and your passion, you're like, I'm really good at finding things. Like I'm the kind of person who goes to thrift stores and like finds all the name brand stuff. I'm not one of those people, so by the way, if you can teach me, that would be awesome. But you're one of those people, and then you like go to the, all, the, all the shops and stuff, and you're like, I know value when I see it. I know value when I see it. And so you're gallivanting in the field and you're looking, you're like, all right, where, where is this treasure? And you come across this pearl and you're like, this, this is the pearl that I've been looking for. But even more than that, like this pearl has so much more than I thought it would. Like I didn't even know how valuable this pearl was until like I see it, and, and there's so much like joy and happiness and excitement. And with this anticipation, same thing. You beeline it, you're like, everything. Everything's sold because I must take hold of this treasure. What is this treasure? Friends, this treasure is eternal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That begins here on this earth when we accept him as our Lord and Savior and it continues into all of eternity. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 11. It'll it'll be up on the screen if you don't want to turn there. Um, But as we read these verses, um, I even just invite you, like, ask God to open your heart um, and to show you what, what he's trying to communicate here. So it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice 
in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. While we were still sinners, while our lives were messy, while our hearts are all disordered and complicated and confusing, while we were still sinners, while we do exactly what we don't want to do, and we're like, what? Like, why? Out of his great love, God sent his son, who he loved, to die for us. Not because we were cleaned up and put together, but because he loved us and he knew and saw that there was a need. And see, there's nothing else that can bring this restoration between God and people. Jesus, Jesus is the only way. And there's a, there's a payment due for our sin, and that's, that payment was death. And there needed to be someone who was perfect to die for that in order for this reconciliation to happen between God and man. Through Jesus' death on the cross in Romans, it says, we've been made right, our wrongs have been forgiven, we've been saved from condemnation, we've been given friendship with God. I love that idea of friendship. Like, that's been something I've been thinking about a lot recently, but it's like, it's not this complicated, like, you know when you first meet someone and just like, it's kind of awkward and you're like, I don't really know how to talk to them. No, it's like, it's this friendship. It's like, he, what he offers is easy and natural and good and full. We've been given a reason to rejoice because of what God has done for us through Christ. So these men in the parable, when they saw that treasure, that is eternal life with God through Jesus, they ran. They took immediate action because the moment they laid eyes on the treasure, they're like, this is what I've been searching for. And the interesting thing is like, like the first man, he was like, la-di-da, I'm not looking for this. Oh my gosh, no way. And the second man was like, mm, like, where is it? And they had the same response. They saw it. I think there was something in their hearts, like they knew. And they're like, I got to beeline. I got to give up everything. But why did they have to sell everything? Like, I think, I think that's a question worth considering. Like, why couldn't they just keep all of their earthly treasures and not, and, the, and like also have, this other eternal treasure. They knew that to actually fully obtain the real treasure, they had to give up the counterfeit treasures. They couldn't keep both. Our hearts aren't capable of really truly treasuring both. It's kind of like how, we've talked about this recently, but like dark and light you can't just put them together and then they both exist. No, it's like there's either dark or there's either light. They cannot go together. The counterfeit treasure had to be given up so that the true treasure could be accepted. And this isn't Jesus like trying to strong arm us into a relationship with him or anything like that. It's like, no, like he, 
cares about us. And he wants what is best for us. And so out of the most compassion and tenderness that you can imagine, and then a million times that, he's like, this is not what you're looking for. This is not what you've been looking for. This is what you've been looking for. I love you. I care about you. I want you, I want you to experience this. So as you're invited to give up your counterfeit treasure for the true treasure, um, I want you to remember that, like the compassion and the love and the tenderness that, that Jesus has. There was this man named Paul in the Bible who went through a very similar process of giving up what he used to treasure so that he could take hold of the, re- of the real treasure of knowing Jesus. Um, some of the things that Paul, you know, Paul's earthly treasure over here, he really cared about his academic accomplishments. He was like a student of the law. He really cared about his sense of pride, what people thought about him, having this like position of authority. Um, but one day, Paul encounters Christ. And just like the men in the parable, he came upon the treasure and he gave up everything to take hold of it. Um, here's what Paul says about this experience. In Philippians 3, 7 to 9, it says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I actually resonate a lot with Paul here. Um, What I shared with you guys earlier about like what my heart so deeply treasured um, with the idea of a relationship, it enslaved me, honestly. Like, it drove me to despair. But let me tell you, like, when I came upon the gospel, the news of what Jesus had done for me, there was this, like, miraculous thing that happened inside of my heart where my heart was rescued from this enslavement and despair. Before, it kind of felt like, I don't know if you relate to this, but like, I was like locked in this cage and I I couldn't see what what was outside. I didn't even know there was an outside. I didn't know how to get out of this cage. But it was almost like me and my state of being enslaved, there was someone on the outside who came. And so gently and lovingly, They showed me the way out. They freed me. Like, I I I was in bondage. I needed someone to rescue me. And Jesus, through his death, rescued me from this sin and this despair and this bondage. So where do you find yourself today? Right now, like... Do you feel that? Do you feel locked inside a cage, enslaved to this deceptive treasure that just keeps promising something and disappointing? 
do you want out? The good news for you is that Jesus so longs for you to be rescued, and he wants to be the one to rescue you. You don't have to clean your cage before Jesus will come and rescue you. He, he wants so badly to rescue you. All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus and acknowledge and recognize he is the one who can rescue me. Do you feel skeptical that the treasure found in Jesus is actually greater than what you love right now? That's okay. There's so much grace. But more than that, like God is able to show you how much he's done for you. You don't have to change your own heart. In fact, you can't. But God is able to change your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and show you the insurmountable value of what relationship with him is like. All you have to do is to place your faith in him. His arms are wide open, ready to receive you. Or maybe you once experienced the joy of this treasure, but your heart feels a little cold and callous towards it. There's so much grace. Run to Jesus, tell him that your heart has grown cold. He already, he already knows it, and, but ask him to revive it. Ask him to bring you back to what you once loved. His Holy Spirit is more than able to do this. Just as by faith you first found the treasure, it's also by faith that it can be revived. So whether you've been looking for it, you just stumbled upon it, or you've grown cold, the treasure that is found in eternal relationship with Jesus is incomparably precious. Let me pray for us. Yeah, Father, I... I just come before you so thankful and grateful. God, I thank you that there is something that exists in this hard, broken life that is of incredible value. And I thank you that that is in relationship with you. Father, I just pray that as we sit here in this moment that, that we wouldn't move past it too quickly. God, that you would show things to our hearts of things that we need to hear um, and I, I pray that we would even recognize where we're at. God, would you show us the treasure that is found in you? Would you help us? We need your Holy Spirit. Um, and yeah, Father, I just pray that even tonight you would do, you would do things in people's hearts, that you would stir, stir these things um, and just show, show us the treasure that is found in you. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.